What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Off the Dome Radio. Super fun guest for you today, Tracy Smith. And we actually know Tracy from school. She was kind of my boss when I started personal training there. So she was kind of guiding me along the way. She went from Butler, did some uh, her grad school at Purdue, and is now the head fitness coordinator at USF. And she's also in she is a powerlifter as well as a powerlifting coach. So we kind of jump right in. We we chop it up for a little bit, catch up. It's been a while since we've all kind of spoken, so it was just a lot of fun in this conversation as well. And she tells us her background, what got her into health and fitness. She also had has a history of horseback riding, so we kind of cover the spectrum there. And then she takes us through her progression of education and where she wants to go next uh, in terms of research. She's big in research as well. And we kind of see if she's what she's going to do with her coaching down the road as well. And she's looking at other options, possible PhD. And it was just fun to kind of get to learn more about her story and what kind of drives her to, to do what she does. And uh, from outside looking in, I think she's really good at what she does. So if you're down in that area or even online, you need a new powerlifting coach at Tracy Smith. She's on Instagram. Hit her up, follow her. A lot of good info that she's putting out and being a part of down there in Florida. Uh, Tim, what did you think about our conversation with Tracy today? Yeah, I enjoyed talking with Tracy. You can tell that she genuinely enjoys what she's doing right now and she's kind of enjoying her her professional development because she, she highlights how she she had a leadership position at Purdue as a graduate assistant, how, how that's that was kind of her first big uh, leadership opportunity after undergrad. So she kind of explains what she's learned along the way about herself as a leader. She explains just the adjustment she had to make when moving to a completely new area of the country in Florida, South Florida, which is Tampa. Uh, so I know a lot of people when they when they graduate school, they may move to a new place, and it's, it's daunting at first, and it's, it's an adjustment of, of making new friends. So she kind of explains how she was able to make Tampa her home, if you will. Uh, so I, I, we enjoyed talking to her about that, and then just the, the health and diet aspect of it, or the nutrition aspect, she kind of gets into that about um, how it works within people's workout programs, and uh, ju- just some rules of thumb, and, and what I got from it is, at the end, just do your research. Mm-hmm. Educate <laughs> yourself on, on all, all points of view, because whether it's nutrition, fitness, anything in life, like it's important to to research other points of view that may not agree with yours. Hundred uh, percent. Because you never know what what's gonna enlighten you. So, got, I, I took that from the interview, and I know a lot of people are gonna get uh, some good value from this episode. Uh, without further ado, episode one forty one, Tracy Smith. All right, so you're down in Tampa. Yes. And you are the fitness coordinator for USF. Well, I'll let you tell the story. So if you just want to intro yourself, who you are, what you're doing, and how we got here. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Tracy. Uh, I work at the University of South Florida as the fitness coordinator. So basically, if you think anything except group fitness classes, that's basically what I oversee in our rec, part, rec department. Um, to more specific of that, it's personal trainers. We have an entry-level fitness staff position that kind of supervise the facility. I manage our equipment and our spaces that we have. Any updates or new pieces that get brought into the facility typically is underneath my scope. Um, so I do all of that. I'm involved with research down here at the University of South Florida under Dr. Bill Campbell. Not sure how familiar you are with any of the research out there on Um, exercise science, but I work with him in his lab as a research assistant, and I coach some powerlifters and some non-powerlifters, but do that kind of online just for fun, honestly. I don't really know where I'm going to go with it, but I do it for fun, and then on the side of that, I train for powerlifting, 
Um, when I moved to Florida and left behind my entire life in Indiana, I had to pick up something a little bit more seriously. I did it in grad school, but <clears throat> coming down here, it was kind of my only other hobby, especially when you don't have friends when you move to a new mm -hmm. city. Um, you have to put yourself into something to, to find a community. So that's what I did. And that's where I'm at today, two years later. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, we haven't done the city move. We've had friends who do that, though. And they're like, guys, I have no fucking friends. And I've been here for a year. And so Honestly, it was miserable. The first six months, I was like, I don't think I can do this. I think I'm just going to quit after year one. I'm just going to go back home. Like, when my lease is up, I'm done. But... I learned to say yes when people would be like, hey, we're going to go to dinner. And normally, me being me, I'm like, well, I don't really know you guys. I don't really want to hang out. But I just was like, I'm going to have to. And yeah, so yeah. I started to integrate into like the people at work and then getting into the research and powerlifting side of things. I also met a bunch of people through that as well. And then a few months later, I was like, I can't believe I ever thought I wanted to leave. This is great. I love yeah. Tampa. Yeah. And you're in warm weather. Oh, yeah. But sometimes too warm. It's like... Yeah. Mm. 90 plus degrees here every day now. Now, like with hum humidity or no? Or is it like it feels how it should? No, it's with humidity. Like you can choke on the air when you walk outside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But oh, I'd probably still trade it though. You have the beach. How far is it from the beach? Uh, 45 minutes, an hour. <laughs> Worth it. I'll, yeah. I'll, suck on, I'll choke on air. And it's like some of the better beaches too. Like the Gulf mm -hmm. side is just so much better. And even if you don't want to go to like St. Pete or Clearwater, which are the most popular in our area, you, you're like an hour and a half from Siesta Key, which is also a number one beach in Florida. So you can't complain. Like I can't complain. It's, it's right. hot in the summer, but when you guys are under snow and cold weather, I'm still at the beach. Yeah. Yeah. Rub it in. Rub it in. I will. <laughs> uh, do you make friends with uh, anyone with a boat yet? That's the best friend to have with someone with a boat. No, I need to. I don't, I feel like I'm not accomplished if I don't leave Florida and have a friend with a boat, but here I am two years later and I still don't know anyone that owns a boat. Do you know anyone that knows anyone? No. All right. Work I on think that. we're all actually losers if we don't really know anyone. <laughs> like that's the point in our life. We're all like, we're in our mid to late twenties and none of us have a friend here with a boat or even know someone who knows someone who knows somebody that can get us on. I don't boat. know if that's the wreck for being a loser. Or not, but. That's funny. We've said so, but you know, okay. that's right. just your, our group down here. Yeah. Your rules, your rules. Uh, so what initially drew you to, and even when I worked with you at Butler, I don't know if I ever knew, like if there was one thing that got you into the health and fitness, like, Oh, I like moving weights. Like, this is fun. Like, this is kind of my jam. Honestly, I have no idea how I ended up where I am, if you want me to be honest. It's the weirdest thing my entire life. I grew up in agriculture. I was in 4-H, FFA. I rode horses, never played sports, um, never worked out, didn't care about nutrition. And then one day... <laughs> Like my friend was talking to me, he had this big weight loss transformation. Um, and I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And I can't believe you did that just by working out and eating right. Like that's pretty fascinating that you can literally change yourself by these two things. Right. And so it started to make me intrigued with the human body and anatomy and how everything works. And so I started working out with him. It was like at a snap fitness. So there's like hardly any strength equipment there. But I started working out with him and I was hooked. And I think this was 
like towards the end of my senior year, maybe the summer between junior and senior. I don't really remember the timeline too much. I was like, maybe I should go into the field where I'm working with people in the health realm. And so I was like applying to schools and I'm applying for physicians assistant programs, physical therapy programs, nursing. I didn't really know what the heck I wanted to do. And I remember one day someone came into a class and like talked about Butler and that was the school they went to. And I was like, well, that sounds really cool. That's where I'm going to go to school. And I literally didn't care about the other schools that I got into. My site was set on Butler and I went to school there still not really knowing what I was going to do. I had the assumption I was going to do physical therapy school. Like that's the route I wanted to go. I think I settled on it cause like money and it's secure and there's going to always be a job. And that's basically what my mom had always been telling me, like, just go get a job that you're going to make money and be secure. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that, but okay, mom, whatever you say, but right. You get into college and you're finally on your own and you don't have your parents breathing down your back. And I got involved at the rec center as a personal trainer. And I actually had a part-time job as a physical therapy assistant and I didn't love it. And I don't know if it was the clinic or the person who ran the clinic, but I was like, I don't know if I could see myself waking up every day and doing this. And then as I worked at the rec more, I was like, I actually really like what my boss does here. Like, that's cool. She gets to work with students all the time. She gets to educate people on fitness and she impacts other students who come in the facility. Um, and I was like, I kind of like that. Plus there's like a business side of it. So it's not just like lifting weights all day long or training people all day long. And so I started to pursue collegiate recreation as my career and I went to grad school and had a graduate assistantship for two years at Purdue, where I basically ran the fitness operations at Purdue underneath my supervisor and oversaw like 75 student employees at any given time, um, both for personal training and there was a position called a fitness consultant. And I just, I loved it. I loved the interaction with students and being able to hire a brand new certified trainer and then watch them over two years become like this fantastic well-read, well-researched trainer. And I was like, this is incredible. I love the impact I have on them. And then on the flip side of that, being able to promote fitness to a university population, right? So like part of my job is also hosting events and offering programs for people to come in our doors and either try out fitness or continue to do what they've been doing, but we just help in that manner. And so I just continued to pursue it. It just felt right in the moment for me to continue on this track I'm also not necessarily the biggest risk taker. So I was like, oh, cool. Like I've been a graduate assistant for two years. The next step is to just go be a fitness coordinator and may sound like I took the easy way out, but at the time, like, that's what I love. That's what I enjoy doing. And so I started the interview process and then I landed this job here in Tampa and I took it and packed up and moved away. And I was like, what the heck? Why not? Um, but yeah, it's a, most people like, my story of getting involved in rec is very similar to a lot of people who get involved in, with rec, but me just deciding one day to go to school to study exercise science is probably the wildest thing that's ever happened to not, maybe not the wildest thing that happened to me. Cause that would be pretty boring, but <laughs> it was a pretty wild decision for me to like be through and through agriculture. Everything I did in high school was the ag route. I competed in agriculture events and showing horses. And then I was like, Nope, exercise science. That sounds cool. But, I mean, it's afforded me my job, and here I am, and I've, everything happens for a reason, right? Yeah. yeah. Did you, uh, when, after, after Purdue, when you were applying for jobs, 
were you just kind of casting a wide net everywhere or did you have your sights set on the South or Florida or? So in a perfect world, I never would have left the Midwest. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew that with this job field that collegiate recreation is, you kind of have to go where jobs are open. Right. And so there like comes in waves with the job market for campus recreation, specifically like in fitness. Um, in the year I was applying, there wasn't a lot out there and what there was they were like really teeny tiny schools in really tiny towns that nobody's ever heard of, or they were really far away. And I was like, I'm just going to have to do it. And so I really didn't apply at many places. Um, I applied to Oklahoma state and interviewed out there. They offered me the job, but I didn't like it. I didn't like the people very much. Um, hopefully they don't listen to this. And <laughs> if they do, um, whatever. But I just like, I didn't mesh well with the people. And for me to uproot my life, I was like, I need to know that these people are going to be people I enjoy working with. Mm -hmm. And so then I had an interview that flew me down here to Tampa and I interviewed and I was like, these people are, I love it. And I love Florida and I've been to Tampa before. So yeah, I'll take this job. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so I knew I was going to have to leave. It sucks, yeah. but I knew I was going to have to do it. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you got excellent leadership when you're at Purdue. What, what would you say is the biggest adjustment or change going from Purdue to USF? And I'm speaking more about like the job itself, like anything that you had to adjust to with your work and that transition. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing for me was I was the decision maker now, mm -hmm. like being a full-time salaried employee, I'm the one that makes the decisions. If something goes wrong, it falls back on, how did Tracy mess up and what did I do wrong? Um, as a graduate assistant, you still have your supervisor to lean on. You, you make some decisions, but you don't have full reign of your program. And so you're kind of sheltered in a way as a graduate assistant because you never really have to take the blame for everything. It's, it's a dual partnership between you and your supervisor. And then coming down here, being the person who makes the decision on what events or programs I want to run and makes the decision on who I want to hire and what I want to do. It's a little scary and it makes you like question your skill set just a little bit because yes, I got some experience of that as a graduate assistant making decisions, but I went to my boss so many times in the first like few months of my job being like, what do you think about this? Or, Hey, is it okay if I do that? And she goes, what would you do if I wasn't here for the next month? Who are you going to go to to ask these questions? She's like, you're going to have to start, trusting yourself and trusting your skill set and just run your program. And so that was probably the hardest transition for me specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, I can, I have all the power now, but it's, it's one of those where, and I had to learn in my last job too, of just make a decision. And if you screwed up, you screwed up, like own it. Be like, Hey, I made an error. Like did it all the time. Like it just, you make mistakes and uh, my boss, fortunate enough, he's like, Hey, just own it. We'll move past it. Like no biggie. Like, I think if, that, that's the hardest mistake. part for me is making the mistake. Mm -hmm. I want everything to be perfect. Yeah. Right. I want everyone to be like, wow, look at the fitness program at USF. That's great. And so if I mess up, I'm like, wow, people are going to think a little bit less of me if I mess up. And I've had to learn to get over that very quickly. But yeah, yeah that that's, it's tough. You're, you have the power. And if you mess up, you mess up. You yeah, have right. to learn. <laughs> Uh, what would you say in, in terms of like the last two years at USF, the most impactful thing uh, that you've uh, either changed, added in terms of that decision making? What would you say the most impactful thing has been so far? 
that a program? Is that something new added to uh, a training space or, or something like that? The easy answer for me to want to go to is like my students and like the team that I've built with my personal trainers. But I know that if I left, right, like my students are going to come and go, but it's honestly the changes I made to the facility. And that sounds so like boring coming from someone who works with students and trains clients and things that that's the impact. But when I came into the rec center, it was pretty standard gym in terms of equipment. Right. And it wasn't bad, but it didn't cater to the strength sports, which are what are more popular now than they have ever been in the last five, six years. And the building hadn't been updated since 2011. And so I was tasked, Tracy, how can you get 10% more of the USF population in our doors? And I was like, you need to change your facility. They're like, we don't have any money. And I was like, well, that's going to be a little difficult. (laughs) Um, And so I got like creative with how I purchased and what I did with the layout. I mean, we have a pretty massive rec center, but the way it was laid out was just an an entire selectorized line of equipment took up 75% of the floor. And it's like, Mm -hmm. we don't need all that space. And so I started just by developing a layout for platforms to allow Olympic lifting. They didn't have any like round plates in the facility. So if you wanted to deadlift, it was like on hexagonal or decagonal plates oh, really? with you. And it, it was so awful. And students complained to me all the time. I would get probably 10 to 15 suggestions in the comment box. We need bumper plates. We need platforms. And so that was like step one. And then step two, most recently, I renovated a racquetball court in our facility to incorporate more like strength stuff as well. But allow for more free space. So we like put down a really nice thick layer of rubber in that, in that space. So people could do Olympic lifting. They could do CrossFit style workouts and they're not confined to just a platform. So we like put a small rig in there, bunch of bumper plates. We put an assault bike, rowers, some dumbbells and, and really built that space out. And I, that's truly the impact I've had in terms of like, when I leave, people are going to be like, yeah, we know the girl who put that stuff in the facility. Yeah. Um, Second to that is my students, of course, and the staff that I get to get to supervise. But, but yeah, that's cool. And I think I saw you post about changing one of the spaces. It was like all white walls. Yeah, completely cleared it out. Was that one of those rooms you were changing up? Yeah, the racquetball court is basically wood floor and three white walls with a glass like entryway, mm-hmm. and we just slapped all the rubber down on top of the wood and built up that space to have the rig in there and the number of people that were in it on day one when it opened was insane. It, it was crowded every day until the building shut down. Um, but yeah, it was busy in there. That's cool. That's gotta feel good though. Like, man, everyone wants to come now. Yeah. Especially because prior to that, like no one really cared about our rec center. Um, Tampa doesn't have necessarily a ton of like weightlifting or powerlifting style gyms in the area. Um, they have a ton of crunch fitness and that's where like a lot of the students go. Cause like $10 a month to go to crunch and crunch is really good about having nice equipment in their facility to kind of meet the demand of the fitness trends at that given time. But like students are already paying for the rec in their fees. And so I was like, we need to just make this space more attractive to them. And, and I'm not one to say like, if you build it, they will come. But in this sense, like that was what I stood by when I kept presenting this to our leadership. I was like, if you, if we do this, you will get more people in the building, like hands down. Mm-hmm. So. That's awesome. 
That's awesome. And uh, how many how many students are at USF undergrad? Um, I don't know undergrad specific, but I know like our population is just over forty thousand. Oh, okay, that's a lot. <laughs> that's yeah, okay. it is. You wouldn't know it. We're dropped like in the middle of not the city. We're like off on the northwest corner or the northeast corner of Tampa. And it's not like a college town feel. And so we have a lot of commuters. Mm -hmm. So campus is never like super busy, but yeah, we have just over 40,000 that go to school here. Gotcha. And how big is your, your team? Like the, that you oversee? Um, prior to May, it was around 50 students, um, about 15 personal trainers and then 40 fitness staff. But we've done some like reorganization with some of the student staff and my fitness staff are technically like merging with another coordinator in our facility. And so I'll have our personal trainers and then a more specialized position of fitness. So I would say if and when we ever reopen and things go back to normal, I would probably have around 30 or 40 students. Okay, cool. And what, I mean, as your time down there as a leader, what's, what's the biggest thing that you've either learned or improved upon about yourself because you've been able to be in this leadership position? Maybe some, maybe you discovered something you may not have known about yourself or anything that you could speak on there. I think the thing I've learned the most is that I can't expect every person to work like myself. Mm. Um, that was the hardest thing for me. So my first year as a coordinator, I also got a first year graduate assistant who came into the role and we're both brand new and I'm like striving so hard to be this best mentor or leader to her. And quite honestly, I failed miserably at it. We didn't connect well. We didn't work well together. But it's because I kept like going into everything, expecting her to be exactly like me, right? Like have the same work ethic as me or have the same motivation and drive as me or even have some of the similar interests as me. And it didn't work out that way. Um, and so I think I've had to learn to meet people where they are and I don't have issues with it with like my part-time employees, but I've, I had the issue with my graduate assistant. Like she was more full-time, had more of an impact on what we were doing. And I think my expectations were like way up here and I needed to learn to meet her where she was in order for us to both succeed. Um, so I had to meet people where they are like, right. I already said that, but I think second to that is recognizing that your plan of being a leader is not going to go the way that you actually think it is right like you could have all these grand ideas about how you want to be the best communicator and give the best feedback and challenge them when you know they need to be challenged but I watched a TED talk and I don't even remember who it's by but they compared being a leader to being a parent right you have this like perfect vision of how you want to be and then here comes that opportunity for you to do it and you just it's not that way there's so many twists and turns in your life and with working with somebody that doesn't go as planned, but I have a new graduate assistant coming in. She actually started two weeks ago. Um, and I'm trying to learn from what I failed with my previous graduate assistant with her. And basically I've just had to learn how to be flexible. It's a very <laughs> hard thing to admit to be flexible, <laughs> be adaptable, but yeah, that was a very long answer to your question, but well, that's, that's, that's what I would say. That's a great answer because like everyone's motivated by something different. Like everyone takes a job for some different reason. And yeah, like you said, not everyone's going to have the same vision as you. So it's all about kind of understanding, put yourself in their shoes and understanding what they want to get out of it. Kind of 
catering your leadership style to that because I mean no one's the same I guess yeah and it's it's also tough to like know when to push someone and when you can't push someone right like you you never want to assume that someone's not giving you the best that they have like you want to you want to think that every student or person that works underneath of you is always giving their best and so that's also a struggle is to know like can I push you harder are you slacking off because you are just slacking off and being lazy and can I really challenge you to be better or are you actually like this overwhelmed that this job isn't the right fit for you? And so it's like very tough to have this idealistic version of what it's going to be like. Um, I recently watched Friday night lights. I'm very behind the, the ball on watching that show, but like coach Taylor, right? I don't know if you've watched Friday night lights. Some. He's like incredible. He knows exactly when someone's lying to him and he knows when he can push them and when he needs to back off and, I'd like to think I could do that, right? But not everybody can can take the tough love and can take being challenged. Unfortunately, with our generation and the generation below us, not everybody can do that. And so you have to learn. You have to learn everybody's style, and that in itself is can be exhausting. Yeah, that's that's such a finesse because then you're always mentally on like, oh, I can tell this person exactly what to do and to do it now, and they won't think twice about it. Like it's them doing their job. So the person's like, hey. You know, I kind of need you to do this, you know, when you get a free moment today, I, you know, and then it could be like, ah, this dude. Like, so it, it's, it's such a, an art. And, and I like that because like, we've been in multiple situations. We got to change styles. And, and I've been back to your point about being a leader and how you don't want it to go. I've been in a spot where I focus so much on how I never wanted it to go. It went exactly that way. And I was like, Hmm, this is everything I did not want it to, to be. So it's like, Hey, now we got to just change it up and change direction. So uh, that's good that you've already seen, hey, I'm going to do this differently with this new assistant and we'll go from there. Because it's a lot a lot on the fly. Like it is. It's, you know, with, with a lot of things, but especially your job with, you know, with stuff, health and fitness or just science too, how much does that change? All the time. All the time. So it's, it's a lot flying by the edge of your seat too. Yeah. And I think being able to recognize that and – and realize that it is not a one size fits all. And if you try to make it that you're likely going to not find success. And then to some extent, there is just an element. And I believe this of being a natural born leader. I mean, there's also just the personality and characteristics that make a leader that you can't necessarily develop or you can't force to be that way. And so some people just aren't built for that. And so also like recognizing if you are that person or not that person, feeling comfortable, like really being in front of people and guiding them and, and being the person in charge without truly being in charge. Cause you need your team to also help you get there. But, um, I do believe that most people can be natural born leaders. I it's may be really awful if I say it, but I don't know how many people can just like read and learn and then suddenly become a great leader. I feel like it's an element of, of so many things that make you a leader. So yeah, 100% and experience too. Like you can read all day long, but if you don't do it, you don't know if you'll have it or not. Right. So good deal. I'm curious, how'd you get into powerlifting? A little 180. But yeah. what what drew you to that? Good leadership talk though. Tim's a natural born leader. <laughs> I can brag about him. Thank you. <laughs> that can be blush. Yeah. Oh, powerlifting, my goodness. So senior year of college at Butler. Um, I had started lifting pretty consistently my sophomore, junior year, but it was like 
pretty random. I, I still didn't fully know what I was doing. Freshman year was all about running, right? Like I'm going to go mm-hmm. for a run on the canal or I'm going to get on the treadmill. And I was like, this sucks and I hate it. And I don't want to go on the treadmill. Well, yeah. I didn't know. I was a, you know, what did I know? I thought I knew everything, but I didn't. <laughs> and so I started working out ju- sophomore, junior year. And it was just like pretty basic weightlifting type stuff, right? Like it was a chest and tricep day, back and buys and the leg day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't really feel challenged each time that I go into the gym. And so I started following fitness people on Instagram. All comes back to Instagram, and I hate that. <laughs> um, but I started following some girls who did powerlifting, and it was still pretty like small sport at that time. And I and I say that, and that was only what? How long ago did I graduate? Four years. It was only four years ago. I was following some of these people who were still pretty new to it and the sport was really small. And I was like, I kind of like that. Like I don't have to worry about anything except getting strong. And it's not like who has the best physique and who has the biggest muscles. It's like who can literally lift the weight. And so I started training like that towards the end of my senior year and into the summer before I left for Purdue. And when I got to Purdue, again, I was like moving to a school where, I didn't know anybody there except like two people that I had gone to high school with, but I was still close to home. So I didn't feel as like out in the open, but I met a couple people who were personal trainers there and they were interested in powerlifting. And my boss at the time was kind of into powerlifting, a little more bodybuilding, but still liked, you know, squat bench deadlift. And I just took it and ran with it during my two years in grad school. I realized that showing horses wasn't going to be a thing during grad school so I felt like I had to channel my competitive energy from horses to powerlifting. And so me and, and my friend, his name's Dylan, we trained together f- every morning for powerlifting that we found like online free programs that we would follow and kind of tweak and adjust. And so I did that for two years. And then I, I guess I now consider myself a real powerlifter because I'm coaching people. I've been in it for I would say consistently three years. And so I feel like now I can finally associate myself as a power lifter, mm-hmm. but yeah, I guess it was just one of those things I happened upon on social media and I really hate myself for saying it, but thanks Instagram. You made me a power. I mean, lifter. I mean There's yeah, nothing wrong with that. Power the internet. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to ask, like, have you noticed since you've been doing powerlifting, has it made like other like daily functions easier to do? Like, do you, like for example, I mean, I guess just carrying a bunch of groceries in or just lifting stuff like, do you notice that you can do things easier or you can recover easier because of it? Um, yeah, I mean, any, yes, it makes all my activities of daily living easier. Maybe not if I have to like run around like crazy cause I don't mm-hmm. do a whole lot of cardio for my workouts, but yeah, I, I definitely feel more like functional with everything I do. Right. right? Like right. I play flag football with my coworkers in the fall and I don't feel like I'm 26 out there on the field struggling to run across or make quick, movements um i like to think i've always been somewhat on the strong side just being on a farm and baling hay and cleaning horse stalls and all that so i've I've always felt somewhat strong but this definitely translate to it and although people think powerlifters are just like fat people who eat a lot like we're really not (laughs) um but yeah it translates i I definitely feel like i get around a lot better um than i would if i didn't do this yeah it's good to know but my grocery bag carrying game is 
parallel to yeah. one. It's <laughs> just a small micro it's the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know people who get sore after carrying groceries. So I get the reusable bags and I show them as full as I can. So mm -hmm. really it's like two bags and it's much easier, mm -hmm. even though it might be the same as if I had like 15 grocery bags. That's my life hack. So yeah, there you go. Like if someone judged me based on how many grocery bags I can carry in one trip, I would be on top of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Not the case, but um, super cool. So how long into it before you started coaching people? Um, I think about two years. So I was pretty fresh into powerlifting when I started grad school and I was learning through my friend, learning through watching videos, learning through all these free programs I would find. And then when I left, one of my personal trainers who had kind of started powerlifting with us at the rec, um, asked me for help as he went into his first meet. And I like gave him some advice on, you know, how to prepare for his performance. Here's some opening attempts and numbers that I think you should hit based off what you're showing me from your pre previous program. And then we kind of stuck with it after his competition. And he's, he's honestly been my guinea pig for the last two years, give or take. Um, and so he's been somebody that's been with me for two years that I just keep playing with different methods and styles and, and splits and volume and you name it. And I'm like trying it on him because I know that he's also learning to coach other people. Um, so I guess I was in it pretty consistently for two years. And then now I've been coaching for two years and I'm finally to the point after I had this one kid, his name's Aaron, after I've had him for so long, now I finally feel like I have a good grasp on what I'm doing. Um, Plus I hired a coach. So then I could also learn from them. Mm -hmm. um, so now I feel like I'm at the point where like, if somebody off the street were like, can you be my coach? I'd be like, absolutely. Whereas before I'd be like, sure, but like, I'm still new to this. So you're going to have to learn with me. I'm finally at the point now, two years later of coaching that I feel like I could take most people and, and do something with them if they trusted me. Now, do you mess with like their food at all too, or do you just stick to programming? What all do you throw in there? Um, most people, it's just programming. And if they want nutrition help, I'm happy to give that. I will never claim to know everything about nutrition, but definitely being here in, in U, at USF and doing most research with nutrition, I've definitely learned a lot more. So I have a general understanding of what I could do, but like if somebody were to come in and be like, I want to prep for a bodybuilding show, I'd be like, I'm not your girl, but if you want like general help with your nutrition for your performance, for recovery, for some weight loss, I can do that for you. And so I have a few people that I do that with most of them though. I just give them their program every week and you know, they send me their videos. I review it and send back another program the next week. Cool. Super cool. Um, speaking of bodybuilders is Ben Pikalski down in Tampa. Do you know Ben Pikalski? Nope. Should okay. I know him? Uh, no, he, he's, <laughs> Prominent bodybuilder, but I think he's got his own gym in Tampa. So I didn't know if like it was a gym you've been to or or if taking people to. I don't you know, know what the name of the gym is. Mi Forty. Oh yeah, I've heard of it. I yeah. just never been. Yeah, it's okay. done here. Okay, yeah, I didn't know if that's where he was. Uh, I would like to get into some of the research though. Um, you know Andy Galpin. Yep. Okay. Follow him so, on Instagram. Yeah. Thanks, so I, I like a lot of his research. I don't know Dr. Campbell as much um, just because I can only read so much uh, like studies and stuff after a few, I'm like, all right, I'm done for the week. Uh, Understandable. But how'd you kind of get into that and anything that you found that is surprising 
changed your mind on something that's like, oh, I thought it was always this way. Um, so yeah, what's the research side like? Yeah, so in grad school, I had, I was one credit hour shy of graduation. I was like, this is bogus. I need to figure this out. So they gave me an independent study. And for that independent study, I chose to write a literature review. So basically, I gather a bunch of research on a specific topic, and then I'm just going to write a paper on it, kind of reviewing and then giving my opinion on, on a specific stance. And since I was in the meat of powerlifting at that point, I decided to look at research on different periodization protocols. So there was like linear periodization, daily undulating, block periodization. And through that research, Dr. Campbell was one of them. He used to do more powerlifting and strength-based research prior to what he does now. And so then when I came here, I reached out to him and I was like, hey, like I've read some of your research. I'd love to help out in your lab in any capacity, even if it's an hour or so a week, I would just really love to be a part of what you're doing. And that literally opened the door to what I do now with research. I started as a subject and just a supervisor in the lab. So I would just kind of like have a shift in the lab that I worked and made sure subjects were doing their workout. But it's led all the way to now where I'm a study coordinator for a study that we were doing this past spring. And so like I've worked my way up the ranks with the team and play a pretty significant role in some of the research that he's doing. And honestly, it's just really crazy to think about how much research is actually going on out there, right? Because like now that I'm in it, I'm aware of like what other people are doing. And Dr. Campbell's research is primarily on physique enhancement. He, his lab is the Performance and Physique Enhancement Lab. He puts it out there as like, we want to be able to create sustainable physique enhancement. We don't want you to have to like do these drastic measures. So he's like really big on stressing that like small practices are going to end up changing your body comp for the better for you to just live a, a healthy life and be as lean as you want to be. Um, so that's kind of the route for research. And, and then you asked me what I found is oh, yeah, sorry, most, loaded question. <laughs> yeah. There was like a couple things. And yeah. Then I'm, limited, yeah so. I'm, I'm good and bad about doing that. Yeah, uh, you, you asked like six part questions sometimes. All right. <laughs> you know, I know counting isn't our strong suit. I do too. It's okay. <laughs> Making up words for a lot of that. Uh, I never colored in the lines either. I was really bad at that. Um, maybe I just like to make people just antsy. Stay in the lines, Colin. No. Uh, anything that you've learned in your research that like super surprising or something that really made you shift or change your mind on something like, you know, oh, I thought – it was this way, and then this research, maybe it's fasting or muscle fiber, anything where it's like, oh, kind of blew me away. So far, my answer is no. And I say that because there's like more to come with what I'm involved with. So far, the research like Dr. Campbell has done, nothing has surprised me in terms of like nutritional strategies, right? Like, mm. I don't want to say I've always been slightly against what's out there in the textbooks for like personal trainers, but I've not necessarily always been like, yeah, these are the perfect principles for whatever you want to get out of fitness and exercise. Mm -hmm. um, but like in terms of protein, like Dr. Campbell's a huge protein person. Like I've always been under the assumption that like you need to have a higher protein diet than what they're recommending you. Like it just makes sense with lean body mass and muscle protein synthesis. And if we want to get really into it, right? Like there's all these things, but I, I feel like I've always been a supporter of that. So then I'm learning about it. I'm like, okay, cool. Like now I know it in a 
female population because Dr. Campbell likes to work in the female population more than males because females are less researched in exercise science or resistance training or nutrition. So we know it in resistance trained females that protein is good for them. And we have a study coming up soon that we're looking at untrained individuals. So people who don't currently exercise, what happens if we double their protein intake from what they're currently doing? So if they have two eggs for breakfast every day, we're just going to ask them to eat four. And we're not necessarily asking them to track it, but we want to see what happens if they just double the amount that they eat on a regular basis. Most people, especially untrained people, don't eat enough protein. Um, So that side of things, I feel like I've always kind of thought these things. I've never just had them, I guess, validated, if that makes sense. So like mm-hmm. once I got into it, I was like, okay, yeah, these are all the things that I've thought, like resistance training, protein, uh, energy balance is important. I understand all that. And then the flip side to all this, there's another researcher out of USF. His name's Dr. Sam Buckner. He blows my mind every time I talk to him. And he is somebody that will challenge everything you've ever learned about periodization, hypertrophy, and strength. And I like to think I knew what I was talking about until I talked to him. And I'm just like, my mind is blown. And I recommend you look up his papers. They're not papers. They're like arguments and counterpoints to other researchers (laughs) in the field. But he challenges everything with periodization, especially with the general adaptation syndrome which is like how they believe people grow muscle and adapt to exercise. And he's like, this makes sense. They did it in rats and they were like trying to kill the rats. And how are you going to tell me that that also translates to people? Mm-hmm. He is wild and he makes me rethink everything I've ever known, but I don't work with him close enough to have like a true stance on some of the topics that he teaches, but seriously look him up. Okay. If you have Sam time, Buckner? Sam Buckner, Dr. Samuel Buckner. Yep. His, it's crazy. You'll read it and you're like, wait, what? All I've ever been told my whole life is periodization. Yeah. Like it, volume, everything. That's the most important. And then he'll just be like, no, it's not. Interesting. <laughs> I want to ask so many questions about it, but I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole where <laughs> we lose people, but I, I'm can interested, really in, far. Yeah, I'm interested in what he has to say about periodization or. He's on it. a podcast. Um, it's called the half natty podcast that he kind of talks about this with those podcast hosts. One of them went to school here at USF who hosts that podcast. And so he does a good job explaining it there. Um, I don't know if I should be recommending another podcast on a podcast. Oh, yeah. oh it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's also a place to like kind of listen to his thoughts and hear what he talks about. He, it's, it's wild. I, every time I talk to him, I'm like, I don't understand your stance. Please <laughs> Does it make sense? This is all I've ever learned. Basically, the NSCA strength and conditioning textbook, he'll tell you it's just bogus. Like, don't listen to it. And I'm just like, you mean the thing that has four editions and certifies so many strength coaches in the field, you're telling me that it's just, you just don't need it. Cool. I love those types of people that are like, hey, no, you don't want this book. You don't need this book. This is not correct. I like those people because then it's like, okay, let's really have a conversation here, though. Like, what am I missing? Because I think people are afraid to change their minds on whatever topic health and fitness or otherwise it's like you don't want to have a disagreement because you're afraid you'll change your mind but tim Mm -hmm. and i talk like you're either going to change your mind or just double affirm what you already believe to be true right and there's there's something to say about being able to change your mind and being okay with that right like we Mm -hmm. can't all sit there and be like i know everything and this is how it's going to be the rest of my life like 
especially in fitness and exercise science, we have to be open to that because mm -hmm. with the rate of research and the popularity of evidence-based fitness, like now there's more things coming out that are just proving all of this, these myths and misconceptions to not be true. And it's like, now the facts are there. It's just getting mm -hmm. people to change their mind and believe that that's actually the case. Yeah. I remember I did a weekend with Galpin and one of the small things he said, he's like, all right, if anyone tells you like, they know all about microbiome and, and all that stuff. He goes, there's so little research. People don't know shit about it. He goes, yeah. we know it's important. And that's about it. And I'm yep. like, all right, check. Good to know. He goes, yeah, anyone who says they know all about microbiome health and this is going to help it, red flag. He goes, immediately, just red flag. So it's, it's just, yeah, when people are in it, that's what I wish is I knew how much more was going on with studies and, and stuff. But, uh, God, there's a lot. There's so much. Um, There's so much out there. What do you predict to happen with your female subjects that don't exercise and are going to double protein? If you were to hypothesize, what do you think might happen? And I know it'll vary by individual and a lot of things play into that, but as a whole, what do you think you'll see? Um, I would expect that they're going to see pretty significant body comp changes. Um, I don't know the full study in depth. It just got like approval and whatnot recently. And it's for us to start in the fall, but I fully anticipate people who are increasing protein that are untrained and then suddenly start training and start eating more protein. They're going to see pretty drastic changes. Yeah. Um, I know that there's research out there that I, or at least I think, um, about protein and untrained or even just trained females and just simply changing protein and nothing else like letting them live their life and exercise the way they've been doing they see significant changes they add more lean body mass they lose body fat um, they get stronger and that's all just because of protein right but like everybody right. fears eating too much protein mm -hmm. it's like you're insane please stop <laughs> oh so they are adding training i didn't know they were also adding training with double protein got it yeah you know there's like three three groups I don't, like I said, I don't know the full specifics. I was just reading through the protocol this morning, actually, because I got a notification that it was good to go, but um, three groups and like one will track protein and have like a certain target. And then one's going to just double and not track. And then we'll have a control group. And then part of that will be eight weeks of resistance training. So you could argue that the outcomes like might be because of resistance training in addition to protein, instead of just like being able to truly see if it's protein or not. But Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, even if you added protein and you didn't train, that's all you changed, you'd see benefit. 100%. Yeah. And it's funny, people are like, oh, what foods are bad? What shouldn't I eat? I was like, oh, there's no bad foods, man. There's just bad application. Like if I got someone who's in season, I just care about fuel and recovery, so I might have you have a burger and fries at night. Like if I need I you to get so that triggered. back. I get so <laughs> triggered by this conversation about bad foods. It. <sighs> we did our job. We got Tracy triggered today. <laughs> Get into the triggerness. We're already this far. Keep going. <laughs> I just, people have such misconceptions about everything they eat. And like, even my mother, she doesn't trust what I say about food. She will still refuse to eat carbs. And I'm like, do you understand that your body literally relies on that for fuel and you're telling it you can't have any? Like, that doesn't make sense. And my coworkers, they say stuff. And I'm just like, I can't. I can't, none of you listen to me, but I'm literally telling you nothing you eat is bad. It's just a matter of how much you're eating. And yeah, once yeah. like I learned that concept, 
it's crazy because I look at people who are like, I can't lose weight and I've been struggling for so long. I'm like, it's not adding up. You're not in a caloric mm-hmm. deficit or you're not exercising enough to match what you're eating. That's the only cause, unless there's an underlying medical issue. That's a different story. Right. But I can guess 90% of the people who struggle with weight loss literally aren't in a caloric deficit, period. Like, there's no other way around it. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of Jason Phillips? Nutrition Coaching Institute. So that's where I did my nutrition stuff with, and you would really dig their application. Because their thing is, they're like, look, science is a science is a science with, with how food reacts in the body, okay? Like... ATP, all this stuff, they're like, that's science. What we do is application. So they just, and things that would sound simple, like using carbs to affect cortisol, it's like, oh, I never would have thought thought of that. Like, so that's why post-workout carbs mean more than just, oh, your 30-minute window. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, check him out. I'll check out Sam Buckner because I'm, oh, I'm super intrigued. Sounds like he's pissing some people off and I like it. Yeah, he is. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, Dr. Buckner, you work with him. And I'm like, yeah, I do. (laughs) Yes, question mark. He's great, though. Just so intelligent, though, and it scares the living daylights out of me. Good deal. Um, Any other, I know you said you're not sure where you want to take kind of the coaching and stuff. Anything that you are doing on the side where it's like, I could probably do this longer term, scale this up. Any other projects or outside of that or anything horse related that you're like, ah, I got this thing that I'd like to do. There's a part of me that wants to build up my powerlifting business, right? And like be a coach and have more than the 10 or so athletes that I work with now. But that's putting myself out there. I'd like to do that. Um, So for now, it's like just a hobby. Let me just play with it. Um, It's also like an imposter syndrome, right? Like I, I don't think I'm that good because there's so many other really qualified powerlifting coaches out there. So like you put your hat in the ring and it's, it could be a challenge, but Mm -hmm. there's a small part of me that like really wants that to grow. Um, Right now I'm kind of pursuing PhD options. So Mm -hmm. I like been on some calls with some universities recently to kind of talk about their program and the research that they do. Um, So that's always been a thought of mine, especially now that I'm in this research and I really love it. And I love that students get to be involved in the research and design studies and then put the content out there for the public. I think that's incredible. And it gives me the element of student development inside education, inside the fitness and exercise science world. So it's like kind of a perfect blend of what I'm doing now, minus having to be in collegiate recreation. Mm. So that's cool. Have you ever thought about crossing like the coaching with um, like horseback riders, like professional or I don't know, correct terminology, like pro riders. I, I don't know. I'm pleading my ignorance, but have you thought about like coaching specific to those people too? Like, Hey, we can use powerlifting to make you a better rider. Um, or am I kind of talking out my ass here? I don't know. No, okay, no, 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 no. I honestly haven't. I feel like when I left the horse world four years ago, I left it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's because it was like a hole in my heart at the time. Like I was like, man, I'm giving up something I've done for the past 12 years of my life. And I'm going into this fitness stuff head first. Um, so I haven't necessarily thought about how to tie the two together. If I could like have my dream set up in my life, it would be that I still coach some people for horses. I coach powerlifters and do some personal training, but then I teach. 
at a university. And so that's kind of like if I were to have my hand in everything, right? Like yeah. I know yeah. that's not ideal to have your hand in a little bit of everything as a career, but it's kind of what I would prefer is, is to keep all my lines of interest open as I have a future. So cool. We talked about, about that on today's episode that we yeah. was uh, doing too much. And then we deny that we're doing too much, but we're good at it. And we need to live in chaos. <laughs> that, that's how we're like, yeah, yeah. We're like, oh, someone's got a business idea. Let's check it out. Yeah. But, yeah. That'd be cool. Getting all three of those. I always thought it'd be cool to be an adjunct to be the guy who says you don't need the book. Mm-hmm. But uh, PhD in, in what specifically? Probably exercise science. Um, Some programs are like exercise physiology. And so whatever the lingo is that the university uses is what I would Mm -hmm. follow. But it's more so finding a mentor versus the program or the school. So like finding somebody that does research that I'm interested in and then like has a culture of research that I'm actually interested in as well. Because some research labs are like, we don't care about you as people. We just want you to put out research and put them in journals and then some are like, we want you to be a really good researcher and a really good educator. And so we're going to take the time with you. So it's less about the program and the school and more about the person that you're working with. So that's like my hunt that I'm on right now is to find a mentor that I, I like. It's a good approach. Any stick out to you so far? Um, yeah, I talked with someone at the University of Kentucky last week that I really liked and I liked her like culture of her research and she really builds it on mentorship and apprenticeship and she's like the products will come but we worry more about our people than the products and like mm. that's what our lab is here at USF like we care so much more about the people and giving them the experience and and letting them write a research study and doing it and maybe it fails but we let them have that opportunity um so because I've been brought up in that research I don't know if I would be able to go to anything else that's like a little more strict and strictly like number based on how many publications that they put out. Yeah. That'd be annoying. It's like, Oh, did you get your quota? It's like, I mean, I wouldn't like it either. I, it, that's too much pressure. Like, let me just enjoy the process and I will produce the results you want, but I can't do it under this like thumb that's telling me I have to have four papers every year put out. It's just like, that's yeah. too stressful. It's that quality and quantity battle. Yeah. Oh, Tim, you got anything else for uh, for Tracy before we ask our heavy deadlift the question? Golden question. No, I, I think I'm good on my end. Yeah. Tracy, anything that we haven't covered that you want our listeners to know? No, or you're not really putting yourself out there. Only the entire world can access these podcasts. So. I know, the whole world. I mean, I don't know how many followers you guys actually have or not how many people many. actually listen to this. We do have fans in Sweden and France. <laughs> and I feel like we had another – was Germany big too? France, we had a handful. We seem to be getting downloads from every from a lot of countries. But well, we don't, I don't have, know how they find. Don't it have that big of a following. Yeah, I'll share it and maybe yeah. you'll get some more. But then that also means I have to put myself out there again, right? Like, who wants to do that? Well, see, I don't know if now's a good time to tell you or not, but we'll do like video clips. So I'll like cut down good sections, and then so we'll have a little video too. Great, great, yeah. love it. Yeah, no worries. In my bare apartment because I literally move in a week, so it looks like I live in, in nothing. It's all good. It's all good. All right, so Tracy, um, how would you like to be remembered? Is this like people hear my name and this is what they're going to think of? Yeah. After yeah, so like when, when it's all said and done and it's like 
oh, Tracy Smith, like she, man, she was always just there for me. Or like, she was the most rock star coach. Like she had just always pushed me, like got me better or like, Hey, she helped me lose this 50 pounds that keeps coming back. Like whatever it is. Um, some people it's, it's legacy, uh, in whatever their field is, or some people it's just like, Hey, I just want to be a good dad. I, wow. Damn. I was really hoping you guys didn't ask this, but no. you weren't kidding. Um, I know for one thing, whatever my career field is that I end up, whether it's teaching, whether it's just being in the fitness industry, I want to be known as one of the best. And that sounds very like egotistical of me to say that, but like, I want people to know my name and know who I am on the like funny side of this. I would prefer to be the strongest, most badass equestrian there is. Um, because I love my horses and I like being strong. Um, so if people like say, say my name, I want it to also be like, Oh, she was really strong and really good at horses. Um, I don't know that that sounds like a really lame answer and I'm really nervous about what other people have said. No, it's all good. I think both of those can happen though. Like it's, you're experienced enough in both. I, like I don't think they were too egotistical. I think we get a lot more ego on than that. Um, at least I, I'll do something. That was a great answer. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I, like to to have some element that I've like tried the most ice cream in the U.S. Oh, now we're talking. Let's go for like, the flavors. There's also that part of me because it's my goal anywhere I go to eat ice cream, always. Mm-hmm. Favorite flavors? Yeah. I like anything chocolate and peanut butter. So if you combine those to any degree, nice. I'm probably gonna try it. Nice. But I'm most loyal to Greeters, where I worked at Butler. Um, nice. They have a black raspberry chocolate chip. Yep, that's one of my favorites from there. Fire. Mm-hmm. And I've turned that's my all I heard in Butler. I've turned my coworkers onto it because it's sold in like stores down here in Walmart and Fresh Market. Mm-hmm. My coworkers love it. So black raspberry chocolate chip from Greeters is number one for me. But every time I go somewhere, I try to go find like a mom and pop ice cream shop. I try not to like go to a chain or anything. Yeah. Um, and I try to find that and then test out their ice cream. So I should probably start like a blog about it or like start tracking it. But that's always my goal. That'd be such so. a fun like blog, like a, an ice cream review, like compete with Barstool. Like, all right, you got pizza. I got ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. this and one lick. Everyone one lick. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was a little blue moon. I was one of those kids, blew all over my face. Then I got a dairy allergy, and I was like, oh, no more of that. <laughs> Mint chocolate Still chip was a dairy it. allergy? Yeah, I've had a dairy allergy since I was about nine or ten. That's really disappointing. I mean, it's it's not hard, like, now. So now if someone, like, when I would have a patient or a client, like, oh, I got – dairy is a problem for me. Like, I got to quit dairy. I'm like, so? Like you ever had goat cheese? Goat cheese is bomb.com. Like Halo Top. Yeah, like you can't have pizza. Uh, I can. So there are like almond flour or cauliflower crust that you really can't tell a difference. That's not pizza. Get out of here. <laughs> this is the real stuff. Right. You don't really, you don't know. <laughs> I have no control over eating the real stuff or not. That means you also can't have real ice cream either. Oh. But, like I've had some good dairy free ice creams that no. are like, oh uh, no. yeah. Halo, no. Okay, Halo Top. Do not Get your hand on my face. Top. I am anti-Halo Top. Okay, Halo I, top I don't, li- I don't like, like how they top. promote eating the entire carton in a sitting. Like, 
no, get out of here with that. But <laughs> I did have a dairy-free salted caramel that I was like, I'm not a huge caramel guy because before I found out I couldn't have ice cream, real ice cream, excuse me, mint chocolate chip was. Mm-hmm. That's in my top five. It's refreshing. We get that sweetness with it too. And it's like, hmm, I got good breath. Um, but, or sorbet, sorbet gets old. So when like there was other ice creams, like the So Delicious brand, those are pretty good. They no, have, real ice cream all the way. Dude, I can't. All right. Talk oh. to God about it. I can't. I have so no I'm control saying, over this. You're really, you're, you're missing out on that and you're missing out on real pizza. And I don't care. Cauliflower, almond flour, real pizza. Hands down. Fuck off my almond flour, guys. <laughs> Good pizza, damn it. It's not the same. You, no way. No, I just can't. I can't get behind that. Sorry. <laughs> I wish you lived closer. So I would literally make a pizza and ship it. And you a hot ship box. me your pizza. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I'll send just the crust. Uh, no way. Then you also <laughs> just a frozen it. crust. <laughs> you dress it up. You dress it up and then you tell me. You make it your own. Tell me you're not going to eat this pizza. You also miss out on like the cheese. Like sure, the crust aside, right? Because like a lot of times the topping makes the pizza, but like now you're not even able to put massive loads of cheese on top of it. I'm dealing with such rookies. I forgot. There's goat cheese, which is awesome. Like I'll shred like goat cheese. And they're like, I can get a mozzarella, there's a cheddar, a raw cheddar. Like I can get Munster goat cheese I just found, which tastes exactly like real Munster cheese. That sounds really fancy. Or Instead like of just like. Munster, 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 how do you say it? I don't know. But no, goat cheese, cheese is cheese. good. Goat cheese is good. You wouldn't tell a difference, I promise you. You I'm, live off of goat cheese for your pizza. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whew, and, I and, don't envy you. And chickpea pasta. <laughs> Chickpea pasta? Yeah, you can't tell the difference. I was on vacation with my brother and dad in March, and we're grocery shopping, and I grab a box of, it's Banza, or Banza, however you say it. Mm-hmm. And my brother goes, hey, what's that? And I could just tell, based on how he's asked. I go, it's pasta. We're going to do pasta one night. He goes, yeah, what kind of pasta? I'm like, it's gluten-free, man, all right? Like, you won't tell the difference, I promise. And he goes, all right. Night of, I'm like, how's the pasta? He goes, it's good, why? I was like, well, doesn't have gluten in it. You give me a stink about it. He goes, oh, yeah, I can't tell the difference. See, trust. you got to trust me. I am a veteran in the dairy-free world. Like, fuck with me. I mean, I, I would believe <laughs> you, but I will never join you. Number one, regular pasta, way cheaper. And when you're balling on a budget, every little dollar matters. It's like $2.99 a box. <sighs> yeah, but every I penny counts. $0.99 cents a box. Oh, every penny counts. All right. <laughs> I guess I got to send you groceries now. Pasta, pizza crust. That's fine. You can send me groceries. I'll send you my address. I will take all donations. Pizza crust, pasta, and goat cheese. And dairy-free ice cream. Oh, that might melt. That's a risk. All right, Tim, anything else? Uh, Where can people find you in terms of, like, social media? Like, if anyone wants to learn more about you, it's – or you don't have to give anything we always like to ask that in case um i mean yes i'm on instagram i'm private so you can't see anything unless i uh, (laughs) accept your follow um but you can follow me on instagram and if i like you i'll add you back um see if you make the cut yeah that's it that's really Uh, links to research or anything like that at all no Okay. None of it's like fully published at this point that we've been doing in the last two years. But I mean, I'm on ResearchGate. It's like the research Facebook, but I don't have anything on there except my picture. 
Okay. Yeah, USF, I, USF have like a social media account for the for the recreation center fitness. Yeah, USF Recwell is our Instagram, right. and so a lot of the training content that goes out is usually me behind the scenes um, putting together some videos and whatnot. But cool. yeah. Instagram is really the only thing I use. And even then I'm bad at posting, but I follow and like watch people from there. So mm -hmm. I don't know what that term is for somebody who does that, but I'm definitely one of those people. I like I mean, That's what I do too. I mean, it's, it's a great place to learn there. And YouTube is how I do a lot of my learning nowadays. So yeah, it's great. All right. Hey, thanks for hanging. It, it was fun yeah, catching up yeah. and just chopping it for a while. Thanks for having me. And, uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Thanks for your time. All right. Have a safe Bye. trip. See ya.